Hello everyone and welcome to something a little bit different. We're moving on up in the world. Shock Sports episode 10. Now we haven't done an episode for a couple of weeks now um, and you would have seen that um, on Spotify. We haven't really been uploading uh, and that is because I've had this in the works. I've been, I've had a, a little bit of time away doing other uni work. I've been very busy but I've also been thinking of how to take the show forward and how to improve the show as we go on and also just improve our journalists portfolios as well have something a little bit more substantial for them to, to go off and this is my uh, sort of uh, this is the result of my thinking we're going to be doing youtube videos um we're going to be doing this uh, podcast now on youtube and spotify now i do have to credit uh, Talking Wolves and particularly uh, Dave Azapardi as well, who I got sort of the inspiration of this off uh, for the setup anyway, uh, which is using OBS. Uh, so we're going to have Sam on probably to my left, yeah, my left on the video. Um, but obviously on Pog, if you're listening on Spotify, then then you know you'll just get our audio. But uh, we're going to be going through the usual topics. We're going to be covering the all sorts of sport. And uh, hopefully we're going to have, have a bit of fun with it. Um, but we are going to mainly be focusing on the football today, just to start us off. And then whilst I'll get used to this format and editing it and things like that, we'll start to move on a little bit with the, with the sports um, itself. So for, for the sake of editing and just getting it out, the, out, out we're going to be uh, sticking with football for today. But we will obviously cover uh, some other sports in this episode if we do sort of run out of things to talk about with uh, the, with the football itself so sam say hello how are you feeling you're on video now is it it's, it's a bit strange isn't it yeah i know now people get to see my face don't they first time they've ever seen me uh, yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah it's been it's been a while since we've we've recorded one of these but it's good to be back as always yeah exactly and obviously you've got yourself a new mic as well so the uh, the audio quality should be pristine we shouldn't really be having any issues audio-wise with uh, with laptop microphones and all that. I'm sure you yourself have, have noticed a clear difference now having an actual microphone. Yeah, of course. I've been like you know testing out in different in different places. You know, it, it sounds pretty good actually. Uh, I'm really happy with it. Good stuff. That's what we want to hear. That's what we want to hear. So what we're going to be talking about today is we're mainly going to be focusing on the Premier League, of course. Uh, plenty of goings-on in the Premier League over the past couple of weeks. We've also got the Champions League as well to cover, so let's get straight into that. Okay, so first of all, we'll go on to the Premier League. Oh, this is weird. I keep having to look into the camera. I'm not used to this. Um, so we are going to be starting off with, of course, the Merseyside Derby, which was the big sort of game of the weekend and probably the big story of the weekend as well. Everton winning at Anfield for the first time since 1999. That's a, that's a good good wait of 22 years. So a uh, very, very long wait for Everton, but a very, very impressive performance. Sam, what did you make of the way that Everton really sort of put themselves about in this game? I mean, I definitely think, you know, I mean, Liverpool had most of the game, of course, and I think it, that was going to be, that was expected from the beginning. But they didn't look like, Everton didn't look threatened at all during that game. There was very few chances that Liverpool had, which were clear cut. And I think, you know, Everton... Definitely deserved the win. If you look at their, their overall their overall defensive performance, they made the most of the chances. And I mean, I think, I think based on the fact that Liverpool are going through such a, a rough patch at the moment, I think Everton took full advantage of that and played very well. 
Yeah, I'd have to agree. And, you know, the start that they made was really impressive. I mean, if you look at Richarlison's goal, very good pass from James Rodriguez as well, a player who maybe hasn't necessarily got the credit that he deserves. He's had a bit of a rough time with injuries. Um, but um, in particular, though, I think what struck a lot of us was really, the, like you said, the, the lack of what Liverpool had going forward, really. Because they really, really struggled to create any sort of meaningful chance that would have got them back into the game. Of course, there was the controversy with the penalty. Um, but at that point, they were already behind. They were already struggling. So, I mean... <laughs> You know, it, it was a harsh penalty, let's be honest. I mean, I don't know mm -hmm. about you, but I thought it was a little bit... Uh, it was 50-50. Yep. I, I agree with that. I think I, I don't think Trent Alexander-Arnold Trent Alexander can do much there. He's, he's not facing the man, and uh, Cavalier just trips over him. So I think that was a bit harsh, yeah. Yeah. But then you've also got the other side, which is that if he's not there, then, then Cavalier scores, right? Mm-hmm. If Alexander-Arnold isn't in that position, then Calvert-Lewin runs onto it, taps it in. So you can see why it's been given. Um, but I also think that, yeah, Liverpool were definitely uh, sort of hard done by, really, with that. I thought that it was a little, it was a little bit harsh. It was a little bit harsh. Um, but of course, you know, this means that Everton now go level on points with Liverpool uh, in the race for the Champions League. Do you think that Liverpool will be able to make the Champions League this season a lot of people have been bringing this question up I for one still think they can I don't think that there's any need to be too reactionary about this defeat they're still very much in the race but what do you think is going to happen throughout the, the sort of the latter end of this season now we've got what 13 games to go from the majority of the teams it's 13 games left what can you see changing in that in that time frame um I mean, I, I, I completely agree with you. I think Liverpool will end up getting the top four spot. I think this is just a, a part of form at the moment, which is just, you know, every team's gone through it. Every every team does, you know. They will get through it, and I, I, I fully believe that they will get the Champions League spot. The only thing that I know which is guaranteed nailed on at the moment is Manchester City winning the league. Everything else I yeah. fully believe can change. Um, I think Liverpool definitely need to try... They need to hit some form now, because... That is, I think that's four games at home now that they've lost in a row. Uh, first time they've done that, I, I can't remember the, since when, but it, it, they broke some record. It's like the first time they've done that for a long time. And uh, but they're also out with uh, they're also without Jordan Henderson now for twelve weeks. He's out for twelve weeks with a groin injury. He, they're thinking about he might have to go yeah, through surgery. That very important player. So we might see will they miss him? We know you don't know yet. So. We just got to see. Um, I, I believe they will make the top four, but it's just it's just a, a run of form at the moment that they need to get out of. Yeah, I mean, would you know the, the clear lack of goals has been a real issue. Mo Salah, of course, has still been very much within the goals. In fact, he's probably Liverpool's only chance of scoring. Uh, Roberto Firmino and Sadio Mane, of course, both of those players haven't really been in the goals this season. What would you sort of put that down to? Is that the sort of the the domino effect of Van Dijk being injured? Or do you think that it is just players just not performing at the top of their game? I think it, it's I think it's a combination of I don't think you can maybe blame it on Van Dijk. I, I could say I would say you can maybe point it towards more um, players not performing, as you said, or even you know defenses working them out because I, I feel like Liverpool have been playing a very similar way now for the last couple of years, and 
managers will find ways in, in how to defend against them and maybe this is just what we're starting to see now um yeah i would agree there yeah, yeah. That, that, that's what that's what i would probably boil it down to they might need to switch up the way they play I, th- yeah. I mean, I mean the injuries, of course, that have happened to them this season. I think that that's called a factor into some of their performances. Yeah, hundred percent. I would definitely agree with that. I think that it's one of those where they are, they can be quite one-dimensional. Liverpool, um, mm-hmm. you know, we we've seen them play the same way now under Klopp for three or four years, and eventually they either tire out or teams will find them out. And I think that we're seeing that now. And I think that that's the big difference is that we're now seeing a team that is going to struggle for goals because opponents know how to beat them now. They've been beaten so often this season. They've actually won the same amount of games as Leeds, who are in mid-table. And you can see that they're really struggling to break teams down because teams know how Liverpool play. And I don't think that even... you know, We'll talk about the lack of fans as well. There isn't that intimidation, is there? When you go to Anfield, there's not that intimidation anymore. There's... And when teams sense vulnerability in a side, such as Liverpool, that have been performing at the top, that intimidation goes away. The The whole champions thing doesn't matter because they're not playing well at the moment. And I think a lot of teams go into games against Liverpool now with confidence. I mean, look at Brighton. Turn them over 1-0, Burnley, same thing. You know, you've got teams there that are going there that know that if they play the certain way, if they play the right way, if they play their cards right, they can get a result. And that wasn't the case last season. And teams almost, maybe the manager wouldn't admit it, but almost gave up before the final, before the the game started because you just knew that they were going to somehow grind three points out. And they haven't done that this season, have they? Yeah, I, I definitely don't think they've had that same intimidation. I mean, as a as a fan last season, when I when you know my team were going there. When we went there, it was like last January. They were on form. They, they were they were banging in three, four goals a game consistently. And you know, as a fan, you're nervous to watch your team play there. Now you'd want to. I mean, who was it that said it? Was it Jamie Carragher? I think he said teams want to play Liverpool at, the, at now. Yeah. Or Graham Sunnis, one, one of the two. They said they want to play Liverpool now because Liverpool are vulnerable. They don't have that same intimidation as what they had last season. People, teams go to Anfield now and see a chance of getting something from the match. Exactly. I would 100% agree. And it's one of those where it's up to Jurgen Klopp, I guess, to find a way. Because, you know, last season people were saying, well, maybe Pep Guardiola's side have been found out. But this season they've found another gear as well. So it is one of those that really you could see Liverpool slipping down if they don't pick it up. I mean... If you want to leave in the comments down below what you think about Liverpool's situation, obviously we'd be uh, we'd be more than happy to get some opinions on on the uh, on the case. Now we can have comments and things like that. Audience interaction, you know, you've got to have it. Um, but another team that's been in good form, actually, um, sort of uh, down the bottom end of the table. Um, we'll we'll, co- we'll sort of go up and down because I, I want to talk about Fulham. I want to talk about Newcastle, and I want to talk about West Ham as well. Um, because we we haven't been given we've given West Ham a bit of love, but I think they really deserve it these days. But um, we'll we'll go to Fulham and Newcastle uh, because those two sides are very very interesting. So of course we had the bottom three before that was pretty much set, uh, and I'd imagine most of us sort of knew that the the, the three that were in the relegation zone were the three that were going to go down. Um, but Fulham's recent upturn in form has definitely 
been a turn up for the Bucks. Uh, I don't know about you, but they've been looking pretty impressive. And they've played some good stuff this year, to be fair. They definitely looked a lot better than they did last time they were in the Premier League. Um, I think over the course of the season, they've been more consistent rather than last the last time they were there, which they started off really well and then they really just dropped off a cliff. But they're now three points behind Newcastle. Uh, I think it's like eight defeats in their last ten now for Newcastle under Steve Bruce. Um, you know, they are in real danger of going down. But, you know, you've got to give credit to Scott Parker. He's done well with the, with the team that he has, hasn't he? Yeah, I think I think he's he's done a, a brilliant job. But I'd say the reason why they're having a better season uh, than, they, than they did uh, prior when they were in the Premier League is I think that will boil down to not doing as many transfers. I think that's what a championship needs when they come up. They, they shouldn't do too much business. They should keep the same, you know... Um, players in that brought the team up who care for the club clearly and that will fight for the team and I think that's what they lacked last time and I think what we're seeing this time is a Fulham who are playing some good football and are fighting for the club they're, they're fighting to stay up and I think uh, on the contrary Newcastle they look defeated They every time they go into a match they look defeated I mean don't get me wrong they, they played very well against Manchester United at the weekend but they, they went one goal behind and then they almost collapsed they, they had no fight or desire in in that team uh, after they went a goal down um, they got it back to 1-1 United then went back up to 2-1 and it was a collapse it was because I, I, I mean I was talking to my friends I thought that game at the weekend could have finished 4-5-1 in the end to United yeah. over Newcastle because they looked defeated they didn't create anything after United went 2-1 up so at the, at the moment I put my money on Fulham staying up based on the fact that I think they're playing a the better football they're getting a, they're getting a better results at the moment and they're on the better form yeah, it's one of those, isn't it, where this Newcastle squad isn't actually that bad. If you look at the team that they've got, it certainly shouldn't be scrapping it out for relegation. I think it is a mid-table side. Now, maybe in this modern-day Premier League where, you know, as a lot of you at home listening will know, a lot of teams have, uh, are, are improving. I mean, if you look at the promoted sides, West Brom, obviously not the best. Fulham, decent, and Leeds, of course, have been the sort of the standout. Really, they're pushing for a, a top half finish. Um, and I certainly think that there is a lot more quality in the Premier League these days, um, and that's where Newcastle are going to falter. And the recruitment for me again, Mike Ashley, being called into question. Rafa Benitez would have done very well with the team that they have at the moment. Of course, they have had some bad luck. Really, they've had, of course, injury to Callum Wilson, who let's be honest, has been superb for them. Double figures for goals in a team that's struggling. Um, but yet again, Callum Wilson getting dragged down by what's dragged down most of his career, which is injuries. Um, I really, it'd be amazing to, th to think about what sort of player Callum Wilson could be if he had a spotless injury record, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> I think I think that, that really, as you said, it's, I think it's almost ruined his career. Yeah, I mean, he, he always gets... 10-15 goals even with injuries so mm -hmm. uh, yeah it's a shame for Newcastle but at the same time they just don't have any direction going forward I just when you watch them play it's almost like they're making it up as they go along there doesn't seem to be a specific style of football there doesn't seem to be an idea of what they can do going forward it, it, it does seem very Steve Bruce-esque as in, as in you know there's not really much going on there and Steve Bruce who's you know, sort of sets his teams out to defend and be solid defensively. They haven't been that this season either. No, they've been. I think they've been leaking too many goals at their back. 
I think, I mean, I think I've, I've mentioned this before. I think when you look at the first game of the season that they had against West Ham, and they won that game, I think, was it 3-0, comfortably. I thought we saw a different Newcastle there. You, you, the defence looked assured. The attack looked good. They had Callum Wilson up there with St. Maximin. I think we do need to see that, you know, that Callum Wilson, St. Maximin uh, link-up play again once Callum Wilson's back from his injury, because I think if you have both of those players on the pitch, I think they'll definitely, you know, create a difference. Defensively, they're a bit suspect at the moment. They're creating, they're, you know, causing weight, having, they're creating too many mistakes at the back. And I think at the end of the day, if you're a team that's always going to be in the bottom half of the table, fighting against relegation, that just needs to be avoided. Yeah, I would agree, and I, th I think that it's it's one of those things where <laughs> better recruitment in terms of the managerial role would have suited them better. I think Eddie Howe, I still think, would have been a decent manager for them, particularly with the what he got out of Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson, of course, who were the most effective, one of the most effective partnerships in the Premier League at their time in Bournemouth. Let's not forget, you know, they're both at Newcastle at the moment, so. Yeah, it's one of those really where you would expect maybe with a better manager they could have they could have pushed high up the league, but you know it's one of those really. They, they, there's not really much they can do about it at the moment. They've just got to try and at least fight, but it doesn't look like they can do that. And then another team that's sort of in there in the mix as well, Brighton. Let's not forget, you know, Brighton are only four points outside the relegation zone. Uh, very interesting team, Brighton. You know, they create a lot of chances. They lost out, of course, in their big rivalry. Um, against Crystal Palace, Christian Benteke with a last-minute winner. Um, very much against the run of play. But it sort of begs the question, really. Brighton, they have one of the highest XGs in the league this season. They create a lot of chances. They have a, a very high turnover of chances. But they just don't score their... They just don't score them. They don't score them. They need someone who's going to be clinical. Um, uh, do you think they could drag, get dragged into it? I mean, I think they already are in a relegation battle. But do you think that they could be one of the sort of... the the teams that no one's really thinking about for that for that last relegation spot. I think they're definitely not out of out of that relegation battle yet. Yeah, they're definitely they're well and truly in a relegation fight. I think that it, I, despite that loss to Crystal Palace, I think there's, it's definitely positive in the fact that they were able to control the game. Yes, they need to finish their chances off, but I, I mean everyone has one of them games where you get you have the domination, but it just doesn't fall for you that day. I don't see Brighton going down in the end. They are in a relegation battle, but as we've seen, they can pull again. They can they can pull results out when they need to, like Liverpool, like Spurs, and I think these are the types of games where they've won, and that will probably keep them up. Yeah, and uh, one team that has done particularly well this season that we thought could be in the relegation battle. You did mention that Newcastle win over West Ham. Uh, everyone predicted them to struggle this season. I think even West Ham fans knew that they were going to struggle but it's been the complete opposite it really has after a pretty poor start they've been superb and the addition of Jesse Lingard in January certainly looks to have been an inspired transfer he's been superb for them three goals and an assist I think already I mean how how good have they been under Moyes he deserves a lot of credit yeah I mean I think as a, as a United fan I'm so happy to see Jesse Lingard thriving at another yeah. club because there was no chance he was getting anywhere near this Manchester United team at the moment, and it, it's great to see that he's getting his you know career back on track. I think that win against Spurs at the weekend, I think that that goal and everything, I was I was so happy for him. I really was. And if you look at West Ham as a whole, if you look at where they were at the start of the season, the club was in turmoil. The owners uh, having you know 
almost arguments with David Moyes about who's who, like the players that were being sold. The fact that yeah. there wasn't much transfer business coming in. Yeah, they brought in Thomas Suchek, they brought in uh, Kufal, but other than that, there weren't there wasn't much business being done. But I think if you look at yeah, exactly. So if you look at the the you know the where they've come from as a team from that point till now, it's brilliant. And you know what? I think they've got a good shout at the top four this season. Yeah, they've they've played some very nice stuff attacking and going forward, I should say. Uh, and even within even with the injury to you know Mikel Antonio, they still look like they can create. And um, I mean, whether this form is going to be able to carry on until the, right to the end of the season, we'll have to wait and see. But at the moment, you know, you've really got to just appreciate what they're doing, and, and they're enjoying their football. It looks like and. Like you say, after the whole situation with Grady Dian Garner in the uh, summer window, Mark Noble even tweeting out that he was against the sale of him. You know, it really looked like there was too many issues going on at West Ham, but they've been superb. I mean, Thomas Suchek, you know, this guy has been absolutely brilliant. Really, really impressive. He is very much the Fellaini midfielder for a David Moyes side. You know, always pops up with a goal can work in both boxes, um, high energy, physical. Um, it's superb to watch. And I think that surely he's got to be up there for signing of the season. Yeah, I think definitely. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if this summer, some, I mean, don't get me wrong, West Ham are a massive club, but if someone like Chelsea or even, you know, outside shouts of maybe even Liverpool could have a player like Thomas Suchek in their team at the moment. If some of these clubs maybe started, you know, Looking at maybe bringing in someone like Thomas Suchek, I don't think West Ham would let him go, of course, but I think he's definitely made a name for himself this season. And yeah, he's he's been superb for them. He really has been. Yeah, I mean, with with I guess Genie Wijnaldum leaving Liverpool this summer, it looks like you could maybe make a case. I don't think he would really be someone they would be looking at, but I could I could see him leaving potentially West Ham. But if they get top four, if I was him, I'd just stay. You'd stay, wouldn't you? Yeah, you Champions League football, and then you've got to think about, you know, the the signings that they can bring in as well. Because you know, as we all know, Champions League football is is very good if you want to make signings of the highest caliber. Um, so yeah, yeah. It, financially as well, it's a, it's a huge thing for the club. Mm-hmm. I mean, as well, I've got to, I want to look at it also from the fans' perspective as well because no, there's fans all around the UK at the moment that will want to see players in the flesh that their club has brought in as well. And the West Ham fans haven't really had that opportunity because they got him in last January. Uh, is it t- January 2020, I think? Yeah. Um, then, of course, COVID-19 caused this, the season to, to pause. Then, of course, uh, play, it was games were being played behind closed doors. So a lot of fans would not have been able to see this guy in the flesh. And I think a lot of fans will want to see him play live. And I think you, you've also got to look at it from a different aspect like that. From you know an owner's perspective, the fans will want to, want to see these players play. Not just you know on the television as well. Yeah, exactly, and I think that that's you know obviously the big hope with the roadmap that we've been given over the past couple of days that fans will be allowed back in the stadiums for the last game of the season, um, subject to change, of course. Um, yeah. But uh, it does look like they. That, that hopefully, we will be able to see our teams play in the flesh at least once this season, uh, and hopefully in time for the Euros as well. Um, if we move on then from uh, West Ham to the two Manchester clubs. We've got Man City, Man United, and of course uh, Leicester as well, actually, who uh, beat Aston Villa over the weekend. Now, Man United and Leicester are really sort of competing for the top two. Um, but Manchester City, 18 wins in a row. I mean, 
there's nothing else to, to really, we can really say about them. They have been excellent this season. I uh, I mean, yeah, I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head there. I think they've been unplayable. I, I think when we had when we had Matt uh, Matty on last time, I think I was arguing that there's a title race. I think I think this that could be out the window now. I think ten points with the Man City team were on top form. Man United, Leicester looking quite volatile often, especially on their Europe, thanks to their European nights and on Thursdays. They can get quite tired. Um, I'd say it's cities to lose now. I really would do. Yeah, of course. And, um, you know, with the Champions League game on tonight as well, of course, we had Chelsea beating Atletico Madrid last night. I mean, that's a turn up for the books, isn't it, really? Mm-hmm. That Olivier Giroud goal certainly uh, is uh, one for his collection. He's an interesting player, Olivier Giroud, isn't he? Um, because he's one of those where if you put a compilation of some of his best goals, you'd think he was one of the best players of all time. Yeah, he really would do. He's just, I think he's just found it difficult to find that consistency in his game to the point where he can be classed as really a world-class striker because he, he's gone through too many patches of not scoring enough goals. But then he will go through, you know, he's gone through patches where he scores almost every game. And I think he's one of these players that he needs game time and, yeah. he, and, he, and he needs almost an arm around his shoulder from the manager to, you know, say, you know, look, you didn't score this match you'll get another shot the next game. I think that's something he struggled to get at Arsenal. I think Arsene Wenger, when he was managing him, didn't really give him that arm around his shoulder. I think, you know, when he, since he's been at Chelsea, he's been very impressive. And I think that move for him has been very good. Yeah, I definitely agree. And um, I, I, he's one of those players that is very underrated. He's got one of the best Champions League goal-scoring records. He's got a better record than Mbappe. You know, um, I mean, he's got, I think, 14 in 15 in 200-something, or however many minutes he had. I can't quite remember the, the statistic, but he's very impressive. If he consistently plays, he will get you 15 goals, I think. And he, he's been probably Chelsea's leading man, really, for, for goals. Um, so, yeah, he's certainly been very impressive. Um but yeah, I mean, what has happened really with that Manchester United? They've sort of fallen off, really. And you have to wonder, I know they beat Newcastle, but you have to really wonder if they had Romelu Lukaku, you know, would they be closer to Man City? You know, having an out-and-out goal scorer? Because Bruno Fernandes, fantastic player. He's been getting a lot of... Uh, his creative output has been superb. Rashford has been decent, if if at times inconsistent. Dan James, I mean that 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 left hand side for Manchester United is is a little bit of a nightmare. Or the left hand side, right or left hand side, whichever way you look at it. You know, they they need a big central figure, don't they? Because Martial hasn't really performed. I think I think maybe Martial might be, you know, staring at an exit this summer. I think there's been talk of a move for him in the summer. I think maybe I think Solskjaer might have lost faith with him a bit. Uh, this season because of his lack of um, end product I think you know Cavani uh, is coming to the team he's, he's been scoring he's been assisting I think he's the preferred choice at striker now and not Martial and I, I think as well when you see that United have hit that point now where Cavani has got the injury which he's known for and yeah. we, we've hit almost a little stump we've been you know it has been a couple of games that we've scored. I think seven goals in the last two games, four against Sociedad and uh, three against Newcastle. But again, if you look at that Newcastle game, we didn't create much at all. 
Um, just apart from the last 20 minutes or so when Newcastle started to fall off. Yeah. I think the issue is, is as you said, that that big figure up front. And uh, people, people are talking about, should United go for Sancho? Should they go for Haaland? If they were to go for either one of the two. And at the moment, I'd say go for Erling Haaland because I think we need that big central striker up front, as you said. Yeah, he's definitely a f- uh, physical presence, isn't he? He's very quick, excellent finish as well. I mean, he, his goal-scoring record is very impressive. I think it's one of those where, you know, he's got a good injury record as well. He doesn't get injured too often by the looks of things. So, and he, of course, he has previously worked with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Mulder. So, there is, there is definitely potential there for that to happen. Of course, Manchester City have looked at him as well. Um, you know, there's, realistically, there's only maybe four or five clubs in the world that could afford him. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he will be going for a lot of money. Same with Sancho, really. I mean, um, maybe not as well documented, but he's had a really good upturn in form since the turn of the year. Uh, I think eight or nine goal contributions in a similar amount in as many games. Very, very impressive stuff from him. Him and Haaland have really turned it on. Yeah, they so really it should have be, done. It should be exciting to see how they do. Um, it's one of those, isn't it, really? It is one of those where you think... If they can get a bit of momentum, then there's no reason as to why they can't push forward, you know. Uh, and and then maybe you know United could be one of those teams that that pushes in and um, and and gets the the sort of the the golden transfer that everyone wants at the moment. But uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting. Um, if we move on then to local sports, we're gonna we're gonna go on to local sport now. So uh, get ready for that. Okay, let's start with Salford City then. Um, yeah. Of course, we are living in Salford at the moment, so we do cover Salford City. Uh, they recently lost out two goals to one to Morecambe. Two goals in added time. Are you serious, Salford? Come on. We've said this so many times this season. They can see so many late goals. It really is frustrating. Um, after a really impressive performance last time out, it's one of those again where they've sort of let themselves down. I mean, they've they've been in decent form. I mean, they, they obviously they beat uh, Cambridge four goals to one. Ian Henderson really turning it up in that game, and they beat Barrow. They drew with Carlisle, and you're thinking, okay, okay, you know, two wins and a, and a draw. We're starting to build up some form, and then this result again, it just sets them back a little bit. I mean, they're still seventh, you know, so it's not the end of the world. Um, 45 points you know they're still only a few points off the automatic promotion places so they could still do it but it's one of those isn't it really where we, we've said it several times this season conceding late goals it, it doesn't do good for your confidence I mean no of course not I mean Morecambe top top four I think they are at the moment after this win I think it was, it was a top end of the table clash one goal up 95th minute you're thinking oh we, we've got the three points in the bag here and you're conceding two goals later on. I mean, it's got not only is it devastating for them, it's it, it's draining because you just think you've 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 worked there for ninety minutes to stay a goal up, and you've just you've thrown it away. That's what that's, that's what they did. Um, I still think they've got a good shot at getting promoted this season. They're still in the sh- still in the running for the playoff places, so I w- wouldn't say it's it's too much of a panic at the moment. But you know, games like these need to finish off. Yeah, and we, we, I mean, we've said this really a, a, a few times that this is a big season for Salford because they've they've put a lot of money at it. You know, the the uh, the wage cap now, the salary cap has now been taken out of League One, League Two, so there's no real, 
you know, excuse in terms of spending money. You know, they they can spend the money if they if needs be. Um, I think that the question really is is can they get promoted because obviously that is the big hope for most people at Salford, um, and that's what they pay all this money for to to try and you know push up the leagues. Um, I mean, Ian Henderson has been a big player for them this season, 10 goals and five assists, which is very respectable. You know, he's, he is getting on in age, though, and you do have to start looking at maybe younger players. I mean, if they don't get promoted this season, it would be quite, it would be a very big loss for the club. Yeah, yeah, no doubt it will be because they'll, they'll feel it's, you know, so close, but yet so far in the fact that. They they really they were they're in the running for it and they, they've, as you said they they had some great form until recent. Uh, at the moment, I wouldn't panic about it too much. Again, as I said, you know, need to keep the consistency going. Um, I'm not sure who they've got in the next game, but of course they need to bounce back. Um, as you said, yeah, it would really hurt the club. I think if they if they fail to promote the season, but yeah it's i feel like you know league two league one these are always difficult leagues to get out of and you've always it's always you know it's always a 50 50 it, it depends you know on the year for some teams because i mean i think we saw with oxford united last year they they got the promotion but the season prior they were near the bottom of the table so i'm you know yeah. it's just it's a bit up and down isn't it from from a lot of teams yeah, it is a very close run thing, League Two, this season. There's not really a standout team. I mean, they're still only seven points off top place, Cambridge United. So it is very much possible that they do, uh, you know, push up the table. I mean, they've got Southend United next to our 23rd, struggling, but they've sort of turned it around a little bit recently. They've had a couple of decent results. But yeah, it's, it's again, that's a game that they should be winning, really, if they want to get promoted. Um, and you know, hopefully, have a trip to Wembley, which should be quite nice. Um, hopefully, there's crowds allowed in. I would quite like to go, to be honest. Um, mm. It'd be quite nice to go on a Salford away day, maybe vlog it or something, put it on the Shock Sports channel. You never yeah. know; could be one of those. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a tough one to take, really, for Salford. But they they still have plenty of time to turn it around. Uh, one team that is struggling to turn things around at the moment is Manchester Giants. What's happening with these guys? I mean, I interviewed uh, Jordan Whelan the other day. That interview should be coming out soon on uh, Shock Sports podcasts. But um, yeah, very frustrating. Um, losing out again to the Riders. Again, though, defensively, high-scoring game. Uh, this is It's another one, really, where you have to take into account some of the problems that they have had though because they have had some pretty horrendous luck uh, in the sense that they've lost some of their best players I mean Breon Brady for example he's gone back to America um, it's the same with um, Lyle Hexham as well they've lost a couple of good players no, they're some, probably their best players I mean Breon Brady's been superb centre uh, this season but of course homesick with Covid and everything it, it's tough and of course, losing the two sort of star American players that they brought in is going to take a hit on the team, and we're seeing that, to be honest, because their results have been very hit and miss, and it, 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 it's going to hinder the team, really. It is going to hinder them. Um, defensively, they just haven't been good enough this season. I mean, they beat the Wolves 98-78, but then they've lost the Riders 77-91. Now, whilst this is their best ever start to a season... Their run of form is worrying. I mean, it's what 
The last one five. Seven. Yeah, it's one win in seven. It's four defeats in their last five. It is really not good at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, next game they've got DBL Sharks, who as of late have beaten the Giants. So that's that's another game they're gonna have to you know almost put that that last you know loss to bed. And as, I mean, it's the same with Salford City. You need to bounce back, and it's all about trying to bounce back because if you don't, you can really you, you can get stuck in almost a cycle of you know poor results. Exactly. Yeah, and it's one of those where you've got to sort of look at. What are they doing tactically to try and maybe shut teams out? And I think sometimes they can be a little bit too soft in the paint. I think that they've lost that physical presence of Brady under the under the under the rim, and they're struggling to really close teams out. I mean, they they've conceded a lot of points this season, um, and I think that offensively sometimes I think that they maybe lack slightly. But having said that, they have scored. They've been decent this season. You know. Manchester Giants is a very big step for them. They've completely remodelled the club, you know, new uh, new venue, new branding, very much move trying to move the club in a positive direction, bringing in young players. So it, I, I hope it it works out really. And when we get get fans back into venues and things like that, it will help in terms of pushing them forward. There's still a lot of time to go left in the league. I mean, for their, I kind of hope that they can push forward a bit more because with the amount of investment in this side, you want to see some form of return. But it's going to take a while for change to happen. Danny Byrne, I think, has done a good job so far. But, I mean, even he'll be disappointed with some of the results they've had recently. And because the game's come so thick and fast, it's one of those where you maybe don't have the time to recover. And, and you know, Jordan was, was very honest in saying that it is tough when you've lost a few games, morale's a bit down. You want a bit of a break. You want that one one week off where you can sort of hit the reset button, and they haven't had the chance to really do that. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you've hit the nail on there as well. They, they, I mean, it's just a, a difficult period for them at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, well, let's let's hope they can turn it around because I want to start talking about some wins. I want to mm-hmm. start. I was excited because they beat Worc- they beat Wolves, and I was. I was thinking, mm, you know what, maybe we've got a chance here of uh, maybe talking about a couple of wins, but um, apparently not. But look, we can still take positives from the last couple of games. I think obviously, you know, because the games are so thick and fast, we can basically talk about the two. Uh, but yeah, very, really impressive uh, 98-78 win um, against Worcester Wolves. And in a team that has given them problems in the past... Um, and I think sometimes with the third and fourth quarter, that's maybe sometimes where Giants get caught out. But they were really, really good in the third. And they sort of were just blown away, really. Um, I mean, Cassell Jr., superb game. One of the Americans that is sticking around. Um, so, yeah, really nice to see him uh, put in sort of an MVP performance. So, yeah, uh, good to, good to see, good to see. Right, we're coming towards the end of the episode, so we're going to go into uh, our general news roundup, which is basically the sort of the biggest sporting stories outside sort of fixtures teams. Right, um, so this is a new little section that I kind of want to bring to the to the show, um, and for this general news today, we of course have um, the big news, which was lockdown is hopefully going to end. 
18th of May. Set your calendars, people. 18th of May is the date that we're looking for, where fans can return to uh, events. We can return to the football. Uh, I think it's 10,000 or 25% capacity. So still not ideal. You know, we can't have a full crowd again. But this does give us hope, doesn't it, for the for the Euros and, and for the summer as well. I'm really looking forward to it. It's been it's been a long time that we've it's been a long time coming. This has yeah. been. Uh, I think as a, I mean, you know what? I'll, I'll say this. I think that's a. Uh, I think that's a, a credit to the Br- the pu- British public. We've all been following the rules. We've all been working together to get lockdown done as quick as possible. And I, I think it's just brilliant that everyone's starting to get vaccinated as well now. I mean. There's light at the end of the tunnel, I think. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, there is definitely. There is definitely light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, I'm looking forward to the Euros. The Euros is the big thing for me. I want a, I want a crowd for the Scotland-England game. We can't have that behind closed doors. And see Scotland smash England. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, come on. Behave yourself. Behave yourself. There's no way. Well, uh, maybe. It's England. They, they never cease to uh, surprise us. In the worst ways, so it's possible. It is possible, um, but it is one of those where you, 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 you kind of, you, you just can't lose to Scotland, man. Come on, it's Scotland. <laughs> it's Scotland. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, hopefully, it, it means that we can have beer gardens because I have never really been to one actually. Um, Oh, we used to have the we, we used to have the events where you'd go in, at high school if a game was on during high school, lessons would stop and you would go and watch the match. Um, in like sort of like the lecture hall or something, uh, that was very good actually. Um, I still remember celebrating England beating Wales in in, in that year, but uh, yeah, very much nostalgic there. But hopefully we can get into beer gardens. Hopefully we can have some some fun as well, and also. Uh, best wishes to Tiger Woods as well. He was, of course, in a, in a horrific car accident. Uh, it, he's uh, he was taken into intensive care in a serious condition, but he's now alive and well and conscious and speaking to people. So he is uh, he's okay. Um, and I think that probably brings you up to date with our general news. Um, hopefully, we'll have some interesting. Uh, races going on towards the end of the season for Champions League and the title. I mean, the title will be done, but Champions League relegation. Maybe that one last game with crowds will push teams over the line. Um, maybe it'll help give us something to work for as well, something to look forward to. We're counting down the days now. We finally see light at the end of the tunnel. But uh, I think the light at the end of the tunnel for us now is that we can go off and have some dinner. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Because I am very hungry. Uh, so, Sam, thank you for joining me for our first ever. YouTube Shock Sport video. We're bringing Shock Sport into a new age. We've been on radio for too long. It's about time we crossed over into different mediums. So, we hope you enjoyed this pilot episode. It will improve as this, as the season goes on. I'm going to be making graphics, transitions, uh, transition sl- slides, all sorts of things. We're going to be doing all sorts of editing, little fancy graphics. Um, hopefully more articles as well. I'm trying to pressure my team into doing more articles because we're not producing enough. Um, but, you know, uh, that'll be for next year as well if we get more recruits as well. So, thank you for joining us for today's episode. Stay safe, everyone. Uh, look forward to lockdown. Um, if there's any Year 11s out there that are thinking of getting in with fake IDs, uh, please don't. We don't want our nights ruined with you. So, yeah. 
<laughs> make sure not to do that. But Sam, I hope you've enjoyed this first episode. How's the uh, sort of the camera experience been for you? I think it's okay. I'm always a bit wary about what I'm doing, you know. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. Like I've, got, I've got people's eyes on me now. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, got to sort my background out a little bit as well. I've got pictures <laughs> of my dog. Oh, I don't. Pictures of my dog. Just I, you know. In the you background. don't need to worry about backgrounds. <laughs> I've got my. I've got clothes on my bed at the moment that I'm sorting out, and it looks. It doesn't look the uh, the prettiest. Um, I can say my bed is done, but it's just the clothes. Clothes is That's clothes good. always make a lot of mess. I've always said yeah. that the, the two things that look the messiest are cables and clothes, right? Mm-hmm. they just look messy it's awful yeah. um, but that will be it for today's episode uh, we hope you enjoyed it and we hope you can join us for next time but until then take care <laughs>